broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Another day, another practice in the books. We were out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, a little earlier today. Practice for us started around 930. That's when we were able to to take the take the grounds and start checking out what was going on. And I'll tell you right now, it got hot. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Boy, did it get hot. I don't know if the Raiders are trying to ramp up as they're about to head to Miami and they're trying to get a little bit different climate. I don't know, but uh, it was not the super early practice. It was very hot. So I'm sure that the guys were out there and they were, uh, you know, sweating their tails off. But at the same time, they're preparing for football. They're getting ready for upcoming season. They're getting ready for an upcoming game on Saturday. So, you know, when it's time to sweat, it's time to sweat. And I got that from running back Fred Taylor, retired running back Fred Taylor. Uh, he's part of the Pivot podcast with Ryan Clark and also Channing Crowder. They were out there this afternoon at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So I uh, had a good conversation with, with him and Ryan Clark and Channing, uh, myself and Vinny. We had a pretty good conversation. And I remember Vinny saying, uh, saying it was pretty hot to Fred, who obviously played in Florida uh, when he played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Fred said, hey, man, you know, I practice all the time with uh, long sleeves on just so just so I was prepared for the heat. And then he said, on top of that, when it's time to sweat, it's just time to sweat. It's not, you know, you're out there playing a the game. You're out there preparing for an upcoming season or upcoming game, whatever the case may be. So it's just time to sweat. He said, I actually preferred to be out there in the heat and, and sweating than I did uh, for the cold. So, uh, you know, the, the heat was preferred by one Fred Taylor. And then he said, I will say this, though, when you're standing around watching and observing in street clothes like we're doing, it's a different ball game. <laughs> That's when you absolutely know the heat. So I'll say this, and I've said it a lot of times so far uh, as training camp has been going on. There is a lot of big-time names, big-time outlets, big-time uh, just national media that has been showing up at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and ready to talk to and observe what the Raiders got going on in practice. And so, uh, you know, we always go back to that conversation about nobody's talking about the Raiders. No, man. Everybody is talking about the Raiders. And so it's so funny when, you know, guys like RC, Ryan Clark, they, they show up and they're observing. They're not there every day like myself and Vinny and Paul and Tashawn, you know, and they're not there every day. So they ask us a lot of questions. They'll ask us, like, hey, you know, what do they do in this period? Or, hey, why are we standing in the corner over here? And, you know, just they'll ask all kind of different questions. So that's how we really get the conversation started. But it's been real cool to see all these different outlets and all these different national media members uh, roll up and, and observe Raiders practice and have their thoughts on what they think is good and, and what they think is bad. And, you know, it's funny just listening to their conversation. I always say that the best uh, listener is the best talker, right? I mean, you, you can really have good conversation if you just listen to what someone else is saying. And I think, well, in general, I think that's the problem with, you know, the country half the time is not, nobody ever listens to what anyone has to say. They're just too busy yelling at each other. But, you pick up some really good conversations when you just listen. And I don't mean listen like eavesdrop, like be disrespectful. I mean like just listen to what someone's telling you. So one of the things that I picked up from Fred Taylor today was, man, he started out saying, hey, do you see Kennedy? Talking about Kennedy Palomalo, who's the running back coach. That was his running back coach. He's like, man, that's a good dude. That's a dude that's going to get the running backs right. I mean, and just even a small little nugget like that, 
from a guy that played at a very high level saying that Kennedy Palomalu is going to get those guys right, that resonates with me. Now, look, we'll see what happens in the regular season. Uh, I've been very high on this coaching staff. I've been very high on this front office. I'm very you know, excited to see what we see as far as the upcoming season goes. And, of course, every team that the Raiders play, they're going to have something to say about the success that the team has this year. But I just have liked the whole direction and everything that I've seen. Now, without, with, with the exception of being special teams. I will say special teams has been a problem. But that's the conversation that we'll have at another time. But just hearing that, hey, man, those running backs are going to be right because Kennedy is going to put them in the right place, that, again, goes a long way with me because this is a guy that's saying that. It's not like I'm saying it. It's not like Vinny's saying it. It's a guy who played at the highest level and was a very good running back telling me, hey, man, this is the dude. This guy, you know, gets it done. So I think Vinny uh, is going to try to get Fred on the, the morning tailgate to talk about the running back position, talk about Kennedy Palomalu, what he brings to the table. I believe that's what Vinny's uh, attempting to do. So that'll be really cool. And at some point, Ryan Clark probably tomorrow will join our show here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. And, you know, just to, just to pick these guys' brains, man. They've been there, done that. They know what training camp looks like. They know what it's supposed to look like as far as, especially on the defensive side of things when it comes to, to Ryan Clark. There was a couple times in practice today he said, well, that wasn't supposed to look like that. <laughs> you know, that wasn't supposed to look like that. So there was, you know, a, a, a couple of miscommunications, a, a couple of things that, that didn't go the way it was supposed to go. And, uh, you know, he, he had no problem pointing it out. And that's what, you know, that's what you kind of pick up from guys that have been there, done that, especially for a very long time in the NFL. I mean, all these offenses and defenses, they all come from somewhere. So these guys have all been part of, you know, basically the roots and, 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 the, and the base of all these different offenses and defenses, regardless when they played, it all started somewhere. The roots were all planted somewhere. And then you see variations of everything kind of branching out from those roots. So uh, I'm anticipating Ryan Clark joining the show tomorrow. We have a loaded show for you today, so I really honestly just had nowhere to put him. <laughs> you know what I mean? If we had, if we had uh, tried to squeeze Ryan Clark in too, then it just would have been – it would have been crazy. It would have been nuts. So I'm not going to do that. Just going to go ahead and try to get him on for tomorrow's show and give him uh, plenty of time to, to speak on what he was able to see and uh, also, you know, who he was there to talk to as they were recording the Pivot podcast. And uh, I think that's probably people's one of their favorites podcasts because it's just former players talking to, you know, uh, current players or coaches or whoever the case may be. And I feel like they get a lot from them. And DeMond, I said, you know, a lot of people enjoy that pivot podcast and you immediately pointed to yourself. So I'm assuming that you were a big fan of the podcast. Oh yeah. The episode with Mike Tomlin, that's the one that got me hooked of listening, man, there's a lot of good sound bites coming from this. And now I'm a weekly listener like Channon. I'm waiting for him to say something crazy. Every episode, this dude's always coming with something wild. And then just the type of guests that they get, it's really insightful. They've had, you know, former football players. They've even had uh, Mr. Olympia Phil Heath on the show. Or it's just they're getting different type of guests, and it's always insightful and good interviews that they got. Well, yeah, and, and they're going to have some good interviews coming out from, uh, from Raiders camp too. I'm sure that they're talking to Devontae Adams. I mean, just uh, – uh, I don't know, just taking a wild guess. I'm sure that it's Devontae Adams that they're talking to, but you never know. Maybe it's Chandler Jones as well, and maybe it's someone that I'm not thinking of, but uh, they're definitely at Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center earlier today uh, watching practice and talking with some players. So what we do have coming up for you today, uh, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. He's going to join us at 2.30. He was out up there at practice today talking about what we saw. We were again uh, on the defensive side of the field, but we were in the corner. There was fans out there today, so we were kind of in that, that far corner. But I'll tell you what, what we did see from the Raiders today, the biggest thing that we saw from the Raiders today 
were a lot of players that weren't healthy returning to practice. Of course, anytime you get out there, you look for number 83. But before we saw number 83, we saw number 27. So, okay, Trayvon Mullen, we hadn't seen him out in the practice field in a very long time. He was out there. That was the first person, matter of fact, uh, to Sean Reed from The Athletic. He, we were walking to our little spot that we're supposed to stand and observe practice, and all of a sudden, Tashawn goes, hey, 27's out there. That was the first thing he identified. So, boom, Trayvon Mullen was out there. Darren Waller was out there. Rocky Sin was out there. Defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins was out there. Defensive tackle Bilal Nichols was out there. Linebacker Devon Diablo was out there. And there was other guys, but those were the big names, takeaways for me, is all those guys return to practice. That's a big deal. And when you saw Vernon Butler get uh, get let go on Tuesday as the, they were doing the roster cutdowns, you had to feel like, okay, that's another defensive tackle. You saw the, the defense give up a lot in the run game on Sunday against the Vikings. You had to feel that either the Hankins and Nichols, the defensive tackles that are on the pup list, were close to returning or there was reinforcements on the way as far as somebody from outside the building on their way in. Well, uh, today we found out Hankins and Nichols both returned. I'll tell you what, man. They returned, and you could tell they had some fresh legs. Man, they, they, looked, they looked pretty stinking good. You could tell that the, uh, the reps in, in practice, the drills that they're running, they're ramping up. They're ramping up. They're becoming a little bit more physical. They're becoming a little bit more fast. They're becoming a little bit more, you know, um, desire to win that, that rep. And, and then when you win it, you hear them talking about it. There was one guy, and I don't know who it was. There was a, a, a I want to say like an edge rusher, hit a linebacker, or hit a, a running back on a one, one just drill play that they were doing. They were, they were running like 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11, seven, whatever it was. But this running back got drilled. And I don't know if it was Amir Abdullah or what, but he got hit pretty hard. And I think it was Mac Hollins on the sideline said, you ain't going to hit me like that. You ain't going to hit me like that. Like he bowed his chest up, right? He got he – got, and he, he mentioned that about five or six times. You ain't going to hit me like that. I mean, he was – like, real deal, Holyfield, that's when you know it's August 17th. That's when you know these guys have been in training camp for a while. This is when you know that, you know, there's another preseason game on the way and they can't wait to get out of uh, banging against themselves and start hitting some other guys because that's the kind of stuff you start to see. But, yeah, uh, Matt Collins was not having that when it came to, to hitting guys. So we'll talk to Adam Hill about what he saw and the players that he saw return to practice today. Uh, I thought it was really good to see those guys all return and of course there's still a couple other guys that you know need to need to return but for the most part man that was some good reinforcements and of course seeing Darren Waller back out there was fantastic right I had to do a double take and a triple take it was so funny like Harry Ruiz uh, he stood next to me and said oh there goes Darren Waller right there Cassie Soto said okay let me look at your binoculars she said okay there he is right there I had to take a triple take I was like wait hold on Point him out again because I couldn't see him through all the all the defensive players and and then it was like getting ready to get in a stretching uh, session so you really couldn't see everyone and I said hold on before I tweet out that he's back at practice I want to make sure I see eight three because there's too many times I saw a tweet yesterday from a, a Raiders uh, beat writer uh, that was out there that said that you know when they were talking about the releases and uh, it was just a it was just an error it wasn't a big deal you know but it was a tweet and it said that one of the guys that was released. Uh, instead of being Nate Brooks, it was Nate Hobbs. And then I, they immediately went back and, and deleted it. But you know how it goes, man. Once you tweet it, it's out there. And so someone, like, screenshotted it or whatever like that. It was just stupid. So before I was that guy, like, I didn't want to be that guy and tweet that, oh, yeah, Darren Waller's here. And then, no, he's not. So I was like, man, hold on. Let me do a triple check. So then finally when I saw 8-3 uh, through the binoculars of Harry Ruiz, I was like, okay, 
Now it's safe to tweet that he's there. And I don't care. I know I had seen other people had already tweeted it. I just wanted to see it from my eyes, my own eyes. I wanted to make sure because it'll be on me. You know, they'll come back. Oh, well, Q, you said, nah, Q didn't say nothing. So, <laughs> you the know. official I can confirm. Right, exactly. Yes, I, I saw him out there. You know, I don't have to be first, I just have to be correct. That's all I ever say, DeMond, and that's a great lesson for you in this business. You don't have to be first. You just have to be correct because so many times people are in a hurry to be the first one on it that they get it wrong. So uh, I don't mind asking Cassie, asking Harry, asking Heidi. I don't, I don't care. It didn't make me any difference. I was like, I'm going to tweet it out. Somebody hasn't seen it yet that you know probably follows me that might not follow them or vice versa, and it'll be news to them at that point. But I'm going to make sure I get it right before I send that out. So Adam Hill joins us coming up at 2.30. Marcel Louis-Jacques, he is from ESPN. He covers the Miami Dolphins. He's going to join us at 3 o'clock just to give us a preview of what to expect. Remember, this is the Raiders' third preseason game. A lot of times in the third preseason game, you see starters play. You'll see a little bit, you know, it ramped up a little bit. But for Miami, this is only their second preseason game. So how are they going to approach this one? Are they going to go and maybe have some starters out there? What does Tua look like in camp? What does Tyreek Hill look like in camp? You know, they brought in a plethora of running backs. They got a nice little running back room going on uh, there in Miami. They got Raheem Mostert's there. Uh, they got Chase, uh, Chase Edmonds is there. Sony Michelle is there. I mean, there's some dudes, right? And similar to the Raiders, they had to go and revamp their offensive line. So there's a lot of good questions to ask about the Miami Dolphins, but of course, most most importantly, I just want to know what the Silver and Black should expect to see as they travel to Miami and uh, and, and take on the Dolphins for preseason game number three for them, number two for my own, at Miami. So Marcel Louis Jacques from ESPN, he'll join us at three o'clock. Then our guy Brian Salmon from News Three LV, he'll join us at three thirty. He's been doing a lot of shows each and every week with Eric Allen, previewing the the team, talking about. You know, everything that's upcoming and you know, how this team is starting to, to build. So we're really going to focus in with Brian about that aspect of it. You know, talking with EA, what Eric is looking for. You know, and Eric's on the, uh, on the pregame show with JT the Brick. And he'll be on the pregame show with JT again this week coming up leading into the Miami game. But we'll really pick Brian's brain about what he's been learning from Eric and, and what Eric thinks about this, uh, you know, this year's team. And, you know, the, just the keys to what he's looking for and how that, you know, those conversations go. Because they've been doing a really good job. And this is not the first time he's been doing these. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool feature, right? I mean, it's really cool that we have Lincoln Kennedy on the show uh, twice a week. Like, I, I get excited about that, having him on Tuesday and Thursday just because I know that He's a former player. He knows what he's talking about. He's part of the radio broadcast. But also to have EA and have that kind of wealth of knowledge coming out of his, his brain, I think that that's awesome. So we'll talk to Brian, all things uh, Raiders, and you know, just kind of from a uh, conversation he has with Eric Allen point of view, we'll do that at 3.30. Then at 4.30, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 News, she'll join the show. The Aces are in action tonight. They got their playoff game. They're hosting it at the Michelob Ultra Arena, going to take it out on the Phoenix Mercury. And if I remember correctly, the Mercury is who ended their season last year, I do believe, in the playoffs at the Michelob Ultra Arena. So she'll join us at 4.30 to talk about game one. They are the number one seed. Uh, they're under Coach Becky Hammond now. Asia Wilson, I believe, is going to end up being the league MVP. Uh, if not, Kelsey Gray has, or Kelsey uh, Plum, excuse me, has a has a very good argument for it. Chelsea Gray is a hell of a player as well. She's been doing a lot of great things from the point guard position. There's a lot to like about what the Aces have going on, and of course, that's a team is owned by Mark Davis as well. Not only that, not only will we talk some Aces with uh, with Paloma, 
she got an opportunity to have a one-on-one conversation with a Raiders president, Sandra Douglas Morgan, so we'll talk about that. And then she also had an opportunity to talk to uh, the, the Aces president, Nikki Fargus. So we'll, we'll also talk about that with her. And uh, I saw one little tweet and one little note that she put out saying that Nikki Fargus said that Mark Davis is doing more for women in sports than anyone that she's ever seen or something to that extent. So really giving Raiders owner and Aces owner Mark Davis a lot of props for what he's doing, putting women in really good positions in organizations like Sandra Douglas Morgan as the president, like Nikki Fargus as a president, as uh, Becky Hammond, a very high-paid head coach in the WNBA. I mean, he's been doing that uh, for quite a while, and of course we all know the history behind the Raiders and what they do and what they've always done, what the Davis family has stood for. So it shouldn't be a surprise. It's not a surprise, but I think it's really cool that it's going on. So uh, tip of the cap to Mark Davis for what he's doing for uh, not only women's sports, but just sports in general that involve women in the game as he's doing I think that that's uh you know again like I said tip of the cap to him so as you could tell <laughs> we have a loaded show for you today we also want you to hear from offensive line coach Carmen Brasilio uh also we'll uh let you hear from T Billy and uh and who else yeah T Billy for sure so Carmen Brasilio offensive line coach and T Billy we'll let you hear from those two throughout the course of the show we'll probably do that around four o'clock uh as I said we got so much to get to but Adam Hill at 2.30, Marcel Louis-Jacques at 3, Brian Salmon at 3.30, Paloma Villacana coming up at 4.30. So now that you know the guests that we got coming up on the show, let's go ahead and hop into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You know, every time that we're at practice and we're on the defensive side of the field, that's always where my focus is going to be, right, is on the defense. And so uh, one of the drills that I was observing is just, you know, a defensive drill where, you know, the, the, the the defensive backs are in coverage and, you know, they're trying to go make some plays. And... The play I keep seeing, and the player I keep seeing is number 30, Jerron Harmon. He just keeps showing up, showing up, showing up. You know, he's a guy that I talked to immediately following the game on, the, on Sunday against the Vikings in the locker room. He almost had an interception in that game. He's a guy, if you go back and look at the stats, he's had plenty of interceptions. He's a guy that head coach Josh McDaniel says the ball just finds. So he's dropping back in coverage in this certain particular play, and all of a sudden there goes the ball, and – Jerron Harmon goes up, and he doesn't make the interception, but he tips it, and boom, there's a, there's a player right behind him there to make the interception. And that's something that he has talked about. Even in media sessions, he's talked to us about, you know, if he's not going to make the play, he's going to tip the ball, and other guys need to be ready because it's going to be there for them to make the play. And you're starting to see that. So Mark McMillan, who we've had on the show plenty of times, former defensive back in the league, played for the Eagles and the Chiefs, a really smart dude. He was on the All-Madden team. He knows what he's talking about as well. Again, I have no problem asking questions. So Mark McMillan is standing like two people away from me, and I said, Mac, man, come here real quick. So he, he walks over, and I said, man, let me ask you a question. We sat in the press box on Sunday. We saw Deron Harmon uh, tip a ball and almost get picked off by Jayon Brown. We see Deron Harmon pick a, or tip a ball right now, and it does get picked off. He's a guy that's always around the ball. And I asked him straight up. I said, why is Deron Harmon always seemingly in the right place? And he just said it's route recognition. That was, that's what he told me. So it's route recognition. And how do you get route recognition? Film work. He said that dude, by the way that he knows what's coming, by looking at the, at the formation, the way that the offense is lined up, he's looking at the formation and realizing, okay, there's these options could come out of this formation. So I'm going to put myself in position to make a play. 
And for someone, and he's a vet, and it's the reason why he's been in the league as long as he has, right? Because he's put in that extra work. So for him to have that kind of route recognition like, like Mark McMillan told me, that means he's putting in so much time in the film room. And you want a guy like that on the team, right? So he's the veteran there. You hope that that rubs off on a Trayvon Merrick. You hope that that runs off on a Jonathan Abram. You hope that that rubs off on other guys in that secondary to say, hey, be students of the game. Study, study, study. Watch that film. And I'm not talking about just during practice time or when it's supposed to be film study time. It's that extra work. You know, anyone could do the work they're supposed to do when they're so-called on the clock, right? But what do you do when you're off the clock? That's what separates the goods from the greats, right? Jerron Harmon has a habit of creating turnovers for a reason because he puts in the extra work, not the practice work. Not talking about practice like AI would say. Talking about, not talking about a game. Talking about practice, right? He's putting in the extra work on top of the practice work and the film work. So he's able to get that. So I'm looking at a guy like that. And we saw that Tyree Gillespie was uh, traded to the Tennessee Titans. We found out that it was for a 2024 seventh-round draft pick. Think about that. We knew it was a late-round conditional pick. I didn't know it was that late, whereas a whole other year away. What does that tell you about where Tyree Gillespie was on the, on the pecking order and on the you know, totem pole as far as uh, you know, how, how high he was on the depth chart? He obviously wasn't if he went for a 2024 seventh-round conditional pick. Think about that. 2024, Devon, not 2023, not next draft, the draft after that. Hey, man, I remember someone tweeted at me yesterday, and they're like, hey, do you think that the Titans are – is Devon dancing in the studio? That was the tweet, and it's uh, not really. No, I mean, look, if the Titans get something out of him, great. If they don't, well, obviously he was on his way out anyway, right? He was, either, he was about to get waived because he just couldn't cut it. If you, if, if you get traded for a 2024 uh, 2024 conditional seventh round pick you didn't you really your time with that team was was on just about over anyway I mean that's just the reality of it so anyway getting back to the conversation about Jerron Harmon the secondary we all know that the Raiders had six interceptions as a team last year six and that's something I was talking to Mark McMillan about as well I was like man I just anticipate them getting way more turnovers than that and I don't know what the number would be I don't even know what a realistic number like a reasonable number is you know, I don't think they're going to go from 6 to 25, right? I mean, that's just – that would be insane. But they've got to they've got to find that element, and I think Jerron Harmon's going to really help them. So I wanted to just throw it out there to you, Raider Nation, and we'll, we'll ask Adam Hill coming up at 2.30 what he thinks about the turnovers and, in particular, just interceptions. I just feel like this Raiders team has to find a way to get their hands on the ball and, uh, and, and go the other way with it. You know, come up with some interceptions. I, I expect them to get a couple turnovers just based off Chandler Jones strip, uh, having a few strip sacks because that's just kind of what he does. That's his mentality. I've, I've asked him about that, and he said, hey, I, I've got to attack the ball as well. So I think that there's going to be a few turnovers created in the pocket. But outside of the pocket, I think that it's, it's, it's got to be about interceptions. And the team had six last year as a unit. There's, I guarantee that there's going to be somebody, you know, that's going to have six by themselves on a bunch of teams this year, right? There'll be six. Six by themselves is not a huge number. It really isn't. I think when you start to get to double-digit numbers, you know, eight, nine, ten, whatever like that, then you say, hey, man, this guy's having an exceptional year. Six is, is really good for one guy. Six is not really good for one whole team. So I just want to throw out a simple question to you. What do you think is a realistic interception number for this Raiders defense? And then a part two of that, who do you think is going to end up leading the team in interceptions? 
I know a lot of people have chimed in before and said that they thought Trayvon Merrick was going to be that guy. I, I'm <laughs> Just because of what I've seen, I'm really leaning towards Deron Harmon. I really am I'm leaning towards the fact that I think he's going to be that guy. But the one thing he does when he can't come up with the interception, he'll tip that ball. If he tips that ball, it's going to give a lot of different guys opportunities to come up with the play as long as they're on their A game, paying attention in the position they're supposed to be. You know, when that ball gets tipped up in the air, how many times do you see a linebacker come down with it? Hell, you see the ball tipped in the air, sometimes a defensive lineman comes up with it, right? So really, I mean, it can go a lot of different directions. I'm going to go ahead and just because he's the guy that I feel like is putting in the most work to, to come up with these plays, I'm going to roll with Deron Harmon. I'm going to roll with him as being the guy that's going to lead the team in interceptions. And I don't have a number of what, what his numbers are going to be, but I think a realistic target. I remember Eric Allen told me on draft day when we were at, uh, we were at Raiders HQ and we were doing uh, uh, the, the draft show. He said that his defensive coordinator always said that they need to come up with 20 interceptions in a season. And that, to me, is a, is a high number for a team that only had six. So I'm not going to aim for 20. But I'll say that I feel like that they should at least double it. I'll say that they should at least have 12. And Jerron Harmon's going to lead the team in interceptions. And, again, I don't know what that number is, looks like. It could be four, for all I know. But I do think that he's going to end up leading the team in interceptions, and the Raiders will be right around 12 as a team. They've got to find a way to at least double what they had in 2021. At least double. I don't think that that's asking too much. You've got 17 games to come up with 12 picks. I think that should be something that is a realistic number. What are you looking at, Damon? I looked at the Giants' numbers over the past two seasons, and in 2020 they had 11, and last season they had 15. So I think that 12 okay. is a very good number, but I'm just going to go one under, and I'm going to give them 11. Oh, you're going to price this right me. Oh, man, <laughs> come on, dog. You're going to price this right me? Because before you started talking, my answer was 12 as well. Oh, I was, was like, it? I, I can't agree with him. So I'm going to go one under. So you're going to hit me with the $1. Yes. That's what they do in, in Price is Right, man. They You say, what's your bid, man? Oh, $500. What's your bid? Four ninety nine. You know, or something's yeah. like, come on, man. You can't prices right me. No, but that's okay. So we're on the same page, and, and that's great research by you. I didn't even look at the numbers, but that does feel like, you know, what, what do we always talk about? Consistency. That feels like a consistent number. Somewhere around, you know, if you average out 15 and 11, I'm not a mathematician, but I would say 12 is pretty reasonable, right? So you could you can agree with me. 12, 12 could be this. We could roll with 12 together. All right, so we're both going with 12. Okay, cool. so who do you have as, as your leading the guy who's going to lead the charge as far as interceptions. I'm going Nate Hobbs with four. Ooh, good one. I think he's really going to have good more one. opportunities because he's going to be matched up on the best receiver yes. for each team. And I think that they're going to take some shots at him when he's lined up on the yes. outside more and he hasn't been there like he wasn't there last season. I think some teams are going to probably take some shots at him more That's than a last good call. season and he's going to make them pay for it. That's a good call. That's a really good call. Nate Hobbs with four is what DeMond says. I say Jerron Harmon with four. I guess I threw the number four on there. I didn't really have a good number at first, but I'll, I'll roll with four. If we're going to say 12 uh, total, I'll say four for uh, Jerron Harmon. So we want to hear from you, Raider Nation. Let us know about it. 69187, keyword R&R. &R. What's the realistic number of interceptions you think that this team could create this year, and who do you think is going to be the leader as far as interception numbers? You can give us a number that you think. Like like DeMond said, Nate Howes with four. I said Jerron Harmon with four. You can give us a number, but you don't have to. I just want to know a number on how many interceptions you think the team's going to come up with. They had six last year. How many do you think they come up with, and who is the leader? 
Let us know about it again. 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up next, we talk to Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also from ESPN Las Vegas. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You'll see good, bad, and the ugly, like an old Clint Eastwood movie. Um, they're improving. They're, they're working on their craft. Uh, I think position, especially a tackle, as challenging as it is in this league, um, it's, it's got to be constant improvement. We can't ever get satisfied. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Very nice. Offensive line coach right there, Carmen Brasillo, met with us after practice and talking about the challenges, right? And it is challenging to come up with the tackles and come up with the offensive line and figure out exactly what five are going to be the starters. But uh, that's the job that he has to do. He's got the talent out there to, to work with, and we'll see what they come up with. Join us right now on the phone lines from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Also, our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield & Company, is our guy, Adam Hill. And Adam, uh, off top, man, how big of a deal was it to see Darren Waller, Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Hankins, Bilal Nichols, uh, Rocky Sin, all those guys return to practice today? Oh, they're back. The long national nightmare is over. But really, I thought I thought we were going to play, uh, you know, the old uh, FFMK? I don't know. I'm not trying not to say it, but the, uh, the game, I thought that we were going to do a good, bad, and ugly on the offensive line. <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we're not going to do that right now. But, uh, okay. right. you know, <laughs> we, we're not going to do that. We'll let everyone else break that down and do that. But. Okay. <laughs> what I mean, what what do you make of the you know the offensive line? Thayer Mufford was out there, and then he he walked off a little gingerly, and he could be a little banged up. Alex Leatherwood, he had his ups and downs. What are you making of this offensive line unit? Oh, it's just so it's it's like exhausting to watch, right? Because Thayer Mufford has had a couple of really good practices. Uh, they looked pretty good uh, in his action in the game the other night. He's really stepping up as potentially a candidate. Uh, at that right tackle position, and then he walks off the field. Like not that it, not that we know anything's wrong, not that it's anything long term. He very well could be out on practice field tomorrow. We don't know anything, but it's just those missed reps, those missed opportunities uh, that just continue to happen for all these guys on the offensive line. Just when you think somebody is kind of stepping up and, and taking advantage of their chances, then it's it's kind of back to ground zero for all of them. Right, exactly. And Alex uh, Leatherwood, he's a guy that, you know, I think he has the ability. And then I see Chandler Jones wreck him a couple plays in a row. And it just, it almost looks like he's in his own head at times. Are you picking up on that as well? I mean, that was destruction. <laughs> that, was, that, was, <laughs> that was bad. And look, the defensive line, let's, let's just be real, absolutely dominated that drill today. Yep. I mean, they, they crushed it. And uh, Fair Muffer is really, I mean, Colt Miller. Obviously, looked pretty good because you know he always looks pretty good. Lester Con actually held his own pretty well. Sarah Mumford had some good reps, but other than that, I mean, and, and listen, we all know how good the defensive line is for the Raiders. They were closer, uh, as you referenced earlier, to full strength today. Um, you know, not only the the ultra talented guys on the edge, but uh, certainly those big bodies in the middle. We know how good the defensive line is, so you would expect them to win some of those defensive line versus offensive line drills. But uh, it looked pretty bad at times today. So uh, definitely, I would think. You know, you got some time left till the season, but uh, there's got to be some concern for what's going on up front with the Raiders right now on offense. Yeah, I would think so. And uh, I guess this game on Saturday, I mean, would you think that this game against Miami is going to be one of those where you'll know a lot by who's out there on that offensive line? Maybe. I, I, I don't know. You, it's so hard to tell uh, with these guys. Like, I don't know if you picked up on it. Uh, with, uh, what about last time Josh McDaniels was in? 
the uh, the media room, and actually it's all blending together. Actually, it might have been uh, might have been after the game on Sunday, and you know our good friend Vinny from the paper was starting to ask. Uh, he, he had a full question, but the first part of the question was uh, sometimes you know we might read too much into who's starting oh, yeah. out there, you guys. Yeah. And and Vinny had like you know three more points to make in his question, and McDaniel just stopped him and said, "Yep, you do." So it's like, like all of our reading into, you know, who's playing with who, who's taking reps with who, who's starting in the games, where they're lined up, all those things I think we are making almost too big of a deal about, but it's pretty clear at times what what unit they want to have out there as their first unit. Uh, But that can change every day. That could change tomorrow. It could change going into the game, um, you know, when they actually play for real. And and you just don't know what they're thinking or what they're doing. And part of it is... They want to find out guys who can switch back and forth. Uh, they need to find somebody that can play both tackle positions because when you go to the games, you can only dress eight offensive linemen for the most part, and you need to have a tackle that can play on both sides. You can't say, like, hey, this guy's a good left tackle or this guy's a good right tackle. Uh, if, you're the, if you're the backup, you have to be able to play on both sides. So they want to move guys around and see who can play on both sides, and you have to do that with other starters, right, you, it, if you really want to find out. Uh, how you can mesh with those guys. So there's a lot of experimenting, a lot of you know messing with the rotations a little bit. Um, but it's our nature, of course, to try to read into who's playing with who. And I think there's a couple of positions that we think are set at this point. I mean, I think four of the positions seem pretty set at this point. Who's going to play their opening night? It's just who's going to play that right tackle position. Right. No, I, I agree with that 100%. Again, we're talking with Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, Cofield & Company. As far as Trayvon Mullen and him returning today, I think that was a big deal. We haven't seen him out there forever. How much does he have to earn those reps, or do you think that he kind of slides back in? Well, I think he definitely has to. And, you know, part of it, you know, there's the good and the bad of, of changing coaching staffs. You know, you talk about the good for a guy like, you know, Lester Cotton, who – you know, we've talked about him a lot. He's he's risen up and he's done all this great work and he's impressed the new staff and he didn't have, you know, some of the lingering questions maybe the former staff had about him. These guys weren't here for that. They didn't know about that. So, you know, it's a whole clean slate, which works to your advantage, but it also sometimes works to your detriment where Trayvon Mullen has put a lot of good work on film the last couple of years. He's been a reliable guy, maybe one of the most reliable corners they've had uh, outside of Casey Hayward last year. And so, you know, all of that work, doesn't really matter to these new guys. So I think that, that's where the kind of the bad part of, the, of it comes in for some of the guys that it's a whole clean slate because he does have to work to, to build up that trust, build up uh, that, you know, that belief in the coaching staff that he can go out there and do what they want him to do because, yeah, he's done it in the classroom and he's been around there with the meetings, but he really hasn't been on the field with them at all. So uh, they need to see what he can do, and I think it's important for him to be out on the field, and I think he will have to earn his way back into the rotation. We saw him you know, at the beginning of practice today when I walked out there the first thing I said was, wow, Trayvon Mullen covering kicks. That's yeah. interesting. Yep. So, so, yeah, he does have to earn it. Hey, Adam, when it comes to that defense as well, we've seen in these past two preseason games the team having a little trouble with stopping the run. But with the two defensive tackles coming back, do you think that that's just going to wipe it clean and that's going to solve the run-stop issues, or are these two guys still going to have to work their way up and get healthy? A little trouble, Devon. I think you could have run for like 75 yards. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they've had a lot of trouble, but let's also, let's, like, okay, let's, let's think about that part of it. Yes, having, having, you know, guys like Bilal, Bilal Nichols and, and, uh, Hankins coming back absolutely helps. No question about it. And a lot of that damage was done second and third teamers are really the third and fourth teamers because, you know, the starters haven't been there. 
So it was against a lot of the depth, and you're not really game planning. And, and I know the offense isn't game planning either uh, that's going against you, but for the most part, you're just kind of sticking with fundamentals and going out there and uh, just kind of lining up and see what you can do. So I think some of that could be fixed you know, game plan-wise, strategy-wise, but certainly having those big bodies back in the middle is going to help a lot of that as well. Because, yeah, it's been ugly. And, and I think uh, if, you, if, if you're going to pick things from the film for the first couple of games, they're going to stand out to you. Yeah, the offensive line and their struggles in pass protection is going to be one. But I would think that the, the interior of the defensive line is certainly another one. Uh, so, yeah, getting those guys back is, is no doubt going to help in that area. Adam, before we let you go, uh, we saw Demarcus Robinson. He was one of the uh, releases on Tuesday. What do you think about the rest of the wide receiver room? Who's the leaders in the clubhouse and who may be on the roster bubble? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it'll be a really fascinating one. I thought uh, when I was trying to do my projections, I think we all do kind of every day, look around and, and figure it out. And uh, Demarcus Robinson, I thought, was going to be one of my big surprise cuts uh, that I was going to write about. Uh, but I guess I don't have that one anymore because he's already gone from there. Uh, I think it's, it's intriguing, right? I mean, obviously, you know, Devontae and, um, and Re- Hunter Renfro are established star players, and, and they're going to be there. Matt Collins is such an effective player on special teams, and he's been good, uh, you know, as a wide receiver in some of these uh, some of these drills in the preseason. He's looked good in that area, so I don't think there's any real question that he's on the team. Uh, you know, Tyron Johnson is my guy. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that guy is really standing out. And as Josh McDaniels and uh, Tyron himself talked about, like he is, he is really figuring it out how to be consistent. It's right. it's not just make one big play and then we don't hear from you for you know a quarter and a half and then you do some again. So I think he's in there. And obviously DJ Turner stood out the other day. Um, I think there's there's some really intriguing players out there. Keelan Cole is somebody who's has had a really impactful. Uh, you know, time on NFL rosters. I mean, he's been a very good player in the NFL. So I think there's some tough decisions to make. I mean, DJ Turner last year on the practice squad, we saw the benefits of that. I think they'd love to have him there again, but I don't know if they'll have that benefit if somebody might try to steal him away. Uh, but I, I do think it's a really, really intriguing battle to watch, and I think it's very deep in that room. Like, there's a lot of really, really good players. So there's going to be somebody good that's left out, and that's kind of the that's kind of what Demarcus Robinson found out this week. You know, just being a very good player – might not get you on this team as a wide receiver. It's that good of a room. All right, Adam, last one for me. UFC 278 in <laughs> Salt Lake City coming up this weekend. Main event, Usman Edwards, who you got? Come on, man. I will, I, I don't, I'm trying to think what it would take to get me to pick against Kamara Usman. Maybe if he fought <laughs> like a rhinoceros. Like, I, I would probably pick the rhino against uh, against Usman. Uh, he's just a beast, man. I like there. There are some some concerns I've had about him in some of his fights. He definitely has fallen too much in love with his hands. I think that might be a mistake against Edwards. Uh, but he's actually proven that he's improved in that area, right? I mean, he's he's looked good even with his hands. So I mean, he's always got his wrestling to fall back on. He's as good as it gets in that area. He's got the knockout power now. He's just feeling so confident. That's something that's different about his game when he was younger. So uh, tough for me to bet against Kamaru Usman. There you go. Well, Adam, I have one more question for you that's actually football-related, but, uh, of course, DeMond had to get the fight game type question in because sure. that's what that's sure. what DeMond does. I ain't mad at him. Uh, the Mailman Raider hit us up on the Sam and Ash text line and said, can you ask Adam his thoughts on the lack of coverage on special teams? And I know you're a special teams guy, so i got to ask you before we let you go, what have you thought about the big returns that have happened against the Raiders, even though a couple have been called back due to penalty? Yeah, and I, I think we have to be cautious in that, in that area as well because I think – the penalties that have had have been called on those plays were actually really impactful for those plays. I've watched the games 
both of them three times now, so um, I've got a sense for a lot of what's going on. Uh, I, I thought definitely the penalties led to the big returns in a couple of cases, um, but I also think it's you know it's, it's some, some experimentation and some figuring out of who's going to be down there. I've loved what Mac Hollins has done, and he's proven it over the course of his career that he can be a great cover guy. You saw um, you know how well Hollins and uh, AJ Cole are kind of working together uh, with some of those punts. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to say I'm not concerned about it until it starts happening in the regular season because, again, I think there's going to be a lot more planning of directional kicking and that sort of thing that happens right now. I think they're just kind of kind of going with it and just kind of, hey, let's just kick it, see what happens. Uh, they'll have a lot, a lot more plan for it when the regular season starts. But if it looks the same way against the Chargers in L.A. week one as it does right now, uh, there will be some panicking, I think, for sure. Yeah, I, I do as well, and yeah, it's one of those things that you look at because you know that uh, Bisaccio was really good at the special teams as far as the coordinator goes, so you want to make sure that they keep that unit intact and, and keep it, well, keep it solid. Uh, obviously, it's a different unit and different team and different players now, but they got to keep that unit solid. So uh, great stuff as always. Adam, what you got coming out on the RJ that we should be able to look out for? Uh, just tomorrow, right about the guys that are coming back. I do have a guardian cap feature coming up now that they are off. <laughs> we'll uh, get into how, how that went for everybody. And then, uh, man, just be on the lookout in a couple weeks. The special section's coming out. We've got, I think it's up close to 60 pages of content on the Raiders coming out right around opening day. Wow, that's what's up. We're going to have to get you on to preview that thing. That's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of work there. Well, Adam, thanks so much, my man. Uh, have a great show this afternoon. We'll talk to you soon. I will, and I'll be writing from here until the opening day, so maybe we'll have a chance to come on again. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Well, be safe, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> there he goes. Adam Hill from the RJ. He'll actually be on Cofield and Company in a matter of about, I don't know, 15 minutes as they get started at 3 o'clock. So uh, he does a great job on the radio. He does a great job writing. So definitely check him out, Adam Hill uh, from the RJ and also from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. 2.45 is the time. We got a ton of text messages I got to get to. Got a couple calls to get to as well at 702-365-9200. Talking about the defense. Talking about interceptions. How many is the realistic number. What is the realistic number that you have that you think the Raiders are going to come up with as far as interceptions this season? They had six a year ago. What do you think the realistic number is from this season, and who do you think is going to lead that charge? Let us know about it. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Raider Homer, hit me up on Twitter. Hit us up at R&R 920 AM. At your boy Q254. At DeMond underscore the boss. Talking about interceptions and who's going to lead the team. He said, I'll go with 17 interceptions total with the real Trey Seven, which is Trayvon Merrick leading the defense with five. So that's Raider Homer right there by way of Twitter. The question that we threw out there today for you on the Salmon Ash text line, also the phone lines at 702-365-9200. What is a realistic number you have as far as interceptions you think this team could come up with this year? They had six a season ago. Six. That's it. What's that realistic number look like for you? And who do you think is going to lead the team in interceptions? You want to give me their number? You can. If you don't, you don't have to. It's all good. Again, 702-365-9200. Let's go out and talk to our guy, Raider Reggie. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's going on, Q? Chilling, man. man. Hey, it was so good to see y'all, man. I feel like I'm getting in season mode, the real season, <laughs> even though it's preseason. But, man, I know last year when I went to a preseason game, it didn't feel like it did Sunday. Right. Sunday felt good, man. Yeah. I was, like, loving everybody I saw out there. Good to see Harry Ruiz and and uh, our new voice, Mr. Jason. 
Yeah. Uh, how do you say his name? Horowitz. Horowitz. Yeah, Horowitz. It's good to see all of that movement, man, and the crowd was off the hook. So now, with what you're asking me or asking us, I was going to talk to JT about this. Two things is going to determine how well or how much we increase our takeaways, and it's the offensive line and the defensive line. The reason why I say that is if our offensive line step up, do better than they did last year, and D.C. is able to, to distribute that ball like he should, the score is going gonna, gonna to be a shootout. So it's going to be a lot of passing going on. And I think if our defensive line steps up and put the pressure on, that's going to help us make them – they'll make mistakes. You know, they'll be throwing yeah. the ball and making those mistakes. But I'll say 15 is the number I'm looking for because okay. I actually hope we could at least get to 15. We were horrible last year. Yes. Actually, if you look at our red zone defense, which that's where we need to be making some takeaways in the red zone, we were the worst yeah. in the league. I Dead believe. last. Dead last. Yep. That's ugly, man. We got to step that up. And I think the ball hawk this year is either going to be Trayvon or Rock Yassin because Ooh. you know they they may be going after uh, Nate, but remember when they go at you, it's usually a tip up ball that go to somebody else. So if if Nate is putting that pressure on the receiver and knocking the ball loose or tip drilling it, hey, somebody else gonna pick up the slack, and I'm hoping it's Rock Yassin or our boy Mary. Okay. What do you think? Hey, good good call, my man. Appreciate you. It's great to hear from you. And I'll say this, man. Uh, one, the I like the offensive line and the defensive line as far as your, uh, you know, your keys to creating more turnovers. Because again, you're right. If the offensive line is able to hold their water and do what they're supposed to do, the Raiders are going to score more touchdowns. They score more touchdowns, and the ball's going to be in the air more. So that would lead to more interception opportunities. So that really makes a lot of sense. I like the I like the thinking behind that. I don't know if Rocky Sin's going to be the leader. I'm not too sure. And DeMond's really good at, you know, the Google search and everything. I don't know the history of Rocky Sin. I know that he hasn't had as much opportunity as he probably wanted to. Or when he's had the opportunities to be out there, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't translated as much as it normally would. But, DeMond, I know you got some numbers for me. Last season, Rocky Sin, zero interceptions. Okay, well, and there the you go. the previous two years, only one each. So only two career interceptions. Okay, well, this would be a breakout year for him. And that's, I'm not saying that that's impossible. Uh, I just think that guys like Jerron Harmon, Trayvon Merrick, uh, they'll be in, in better position, especially for those tip ones, the tip balls that you're talking about, uh, because that usually goes backwards, right? When it goes backwards on a tip, then those safeties usually are able to come up and make a play. Uh, you know, maybe a linebacker or two could make a play as well. Uh, you know, it, it should be interesting, but uh, they've got to come up with a better number of interceptions than six. Again, you're right. They were terrible at that last year, and they were terrible in red zone defense. I feel a little encouraged by the red zone defense this go around, and it's only a little encouraged because it's a preseason game and, you know, I don't want to take too much from a preseason game. But seeing the Raiders able to bow their necks up against the, the, the Vikings, especially on the goal line, and have to make them settle for a field goal and then in the red zone make them settle for a field goal again. It wasn't at the goal line, but it was close enough. Make them settle for field goals twice when they enter the red zone. That's encouraging. If, if this offense could be what we think the offense could be and they could stop a team a couple times a game from getting in the end zone and making them settle for field goals, that's a recipe. My man Fabian says it all the time, minus four. That minus four recipe is going to help teams 
win a lot of games, as we all very well know. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, Q&D. As always, fantastic interview, man. I like his UFC answer. If Usman were to uh, fight a rhinoceros, he'd consider picking it over Usman if they were to fight. I can't wait for Saturday's fight as Usman is, a ju- is just a beast and can't be beat. Chalk this up. Raiders will have a total of 18 interceptions, and the Hobbs will lead the team with seven. Raiders at Sir Whiskey Ray. And, you know, I actually met uh, Usman at the uh, at the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay or in uh, Miami, excuse me. And that's when, and I don't remember the other guy's name, uh, DeMond, I know you do, but he got into it with them where it looked like they were going to fight in the in the hallway at the Super Bowl. It was the uh, light, not light-skinned dude, the guy with the long hair. Oh, Mas- Masvidal. Oh, okay. Masvidal. Masvidal, yeah. Yeah, Masvidal. Didn't he, like, say he retired or something or he's retiring? Miami's finest. Uh, I don't know if he's actually retiring. But then he threatened to retire or yes, something. Yes, yeah. he's a big money fighter for the UFC, and he's basically in the pay-me mode. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, it was Usman and, and Masvidal. They almost got into a fight into the in the lobby, and I don't know how much of it was like realistic, but my co-host was too busy talking to a former Seahawk, and he was asking him. It was really a, a bad interview we were doing. But at the Super Bowl, you know it's you know how it is. Demond is timing. Everything is like okay. You have an interview at two forty-five. You have one at three. You have one at three fifteen. You, you know it's like boom, 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 boom. So he's up here talking about this uh, to this old Seahawk that I think he only played in the league for like a quick second. And anyway, so he's in this interview mode, and Usman is standing next to me because that's supposed to be our next interview. And he's literally looking at me like, "Hey, I'm supposed to be here right now." And we had already gone over time with this other guy, and. This guy, my co-host, just kept talking and talking and talking. And Usman finally looked at me and was like, do up the deuces. Peace. I got to go. And then he came and he's like, hey, uh, Usman's supposed to be here. I was like, he's been here for the last 10 minutes. He's gone. So he came back and took a picture with us, and that was it. Oh. We didn't get the interview because, man, we just ran out of time. What was it like being next to Steve at practice? <laughs> Is that the questions he was asking? Pretty much. The former Seahawk? Basically. It was bad, man. It was bad. It was, and then it started going into some other conversation about like Blimpy's um, sandwiches or something. It was just dumb. I don't know what was going on with him, but he was in one of his moods that day. Two fifty-seven is the time when we come back. We'll be talking to a guy who's not in his mood, and he's really on his A game. Marcel Louis Jacques. He covers the Miami Dolphins for ESPN. Does a great job. I actually co-hosted a show with him just the other night. We'll talk about the Dolphins and what to expect from preseason game. Well, for the Raiders, number three coming up on Saturday. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty.